can have a seat. first time we saw that video was in the middle of the summer. It was hot out. We were, you know, sweating and enjoying a great summer. And here it is now, actually the week, the very week that we'll be launching now the Rethink Christmas Project. So excited about what's going to be coming this next week. And throughout the service, we're going to talk to you about some ways that you can jump in and get involved as well as things that are going to be happening that you can be thinking about and praying about. It's just, it's going to be an incredible week. I want you to jump in in a way that, that everyone can participate. And one of the things we've made clear throughout the, the Rethink Project, you know, the rethinking is not so much about we want to get back to the original meaning of, this, of the Christmas story, though that's important. And it's not about simplifying our lives, though that is important as well. But it's really understanding, it's a rethinking for us, and it's written in your folder today on the back side, that... Um, Our rethink needs to be that when we choose to give something to someone, we give it for the sake of giving. We give it for the sake of blessing someone else. We're not looking at what we might get out of it, what we might get in return. And so we get the privilege of giving away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gifts, very often completely anonymously. You're not going to see the reaction. You're not going to know the reaction until heaven. You're not going to know it, but you're going to have given For the sake of giving. And that's just, it's absolutely hugely important for us to learn how to bless. Just because, hey, we've been blessed and we want to give a blessing away to others. One of the ways to ensure that this is not just a, you know, a pay it forward kind of project or something like that. One of the ways to make sure that it truly falls in the category of being a a spiritual uh, uh, operation for us, something that we're doing together that God is operating on our hearts as well, is to get involved in prayer behind it, really throwing our shoulder behind it in prayer. And so here's what we're going to do. I think this is kind of fun. We've divided the day into 15-minute segments. 
It's on a clipboard. 15-minute segments. And what we're going to ask is that every Tuesday, you pray for 15 minutes about the, opera, about the, I almost said Operation Christmas. Here we go. Rethink Christmas projects that are going on. Your prayer may be that you're praying that God will give you eyes to know the person to whom to give a gift. It may be to pray for the person that received it, that God does something powerful in their heart, that they will see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. It may be that you're praying that God will give someone else the courage to go ahead and extend that kind of blessing to someone else. On the back side of the clipboard, you'll see a sample of the, um, of, the, of the prayer guide that we'll be emailing to you if you choose to join us in this prayer project. Now, we want to do this every Tuesday. So starting the first, that'll be the first day of, of Rethink, 1, 8, 15, 22, and 29. And the 29th will actually be done, but it'll be a chance to come back and just praise. Praise God for what he's done. And we're going to go ahead and, and pray our way through the day in sort of a relay. So it's literally one person gets done with their 15 minutes and the next person begins. And we have 24 hours of prayer being lifted up to God from this church family. Now, the challenge I gave to the first service was if you go ahead and refill the, or fill the whole sheet, uh, the second service won't even have to pray. It'll be good to go. They didn't quite fill it all, but, but they did want to prove how incredibly spiritual they are. And so believe it or not, the first page is from 12 a.m. to 5.45 a.m., and it is filled, meaning there are these people who are planning on getting up overnight to pray, or they thought it was 12 in the afternoon, in which case God will still hear the prayer, and all will be okay. But there are some uh, spaces in the morning still open. There are spaces in the afternoon still open and some in the evening. So we would love to see this by the end of the day completely filled. And we're actually going to pass it during the teaching so you have a chance to go ahead and get your name on that. Got your name on that? Make sure that we have your email so that we can email you that prayer guide. We'll give you the video links. You may use that for your prayer. Now, some of you are going, 15 minutes of prayer. I mean, let me think. Dear God, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. Thank you for my family. In Jesus' name, amen. That's about 20 seconds. What do I do after that? Um, the guide will help. Thinking through just the things that you want to lift up to God about the project will help. But honestly, you can just sit in the presence of God. He knows why you're there. He knows why you're sitting there. And just say, God, you know why I'm here. I agree with your heart. I agree with your spirit's heart. Let the spirit pray through you for these people. So go ahead and fill that up. And by the way, if you see a slot that you're saying, boy, I really would have liked that one, but it's already taken, feel free to go ahead and put your name next to it as well. Okay? We just want to make sure that this is well, well, well prayed through. We started over here in the first service. So Lorraine... You get to start it off on the second. There you go. You'll notice the pages have at the top, it'll say midnight or noon or morning or evening. So you get an idea. Sometimes we get our AMs and PMs mixed up, especially when it comes around noontime. So anyway, that's good to go. So we've been in this series called Blessed. We've been talking about what it means to be people who are blessed. We started the first week by talking about the definition of a blessing. What, what is it all about? And really what we found is it's kind of an octopus. It has a whole bunch of tentacles. It's hard to just bring it down to one simple, clean, easy definition. Then we talked about some of the ways that we're blessed. Ways that seem a little bit uh, backwards, so to speak. We're blessed with a need. A need for relationships with God and with other people. We're blessed with a burden. A burden for significance, to matter, to make a dent in the world. Today, we're going to wrap it up by talking about 
the fact that we are blessed in order to be a blesser. God blesses us so that we can in turn bless other people. Now, as I thought about that, I couldn't help but think of one of the initially blessed people in the Bible. Blessing after blessing, verbal blessing after verbal blessing was said over him by God, by priests, by others. And his name is Abraham. His story is found in Genesis chapter 12. And in chapter 12, it starts out by telling us that that God told Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to bless you greatly. I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to give your family a land that will be yours. And it ends by saying, and you, you will be a blessing to others. You will be a blessing to all the people in all the world. So I have that verse, and I'm looking at that verse, and as I started thinking about it, and all of the things we've talked about so far as, as it pertains to blessing, I thought about Abram and Abraham as a blessed man, and asked myself, what does the blessing look like in the life of a person who's a devoted follower of God? And so I just started teasing out, looking at the different uh, events of Abraham's life, trying to understand what it looked like for him to be blessed. Now, now here's the thing that I found that was intriguing. Abraham was told, you're going to be greatly blessed. Not once, but multiple times, you're going to be greatly blessed. And a piece of that blessing was, you're going to have a son. And through that son, the world is going to be blessed. And there's something about Abraham as you walk through his story that you realize he's a lot like us. Abraham, though he had an incredible life, and though God gave him many possessions and gave him power in this world, did not feel blessed all the time. He didn't always feel like a blessed person. In fact, there were a lot of times that that he seemed to just have a cloud over his head as if God had never spoken the words of blessing to him at all. You see, a blessed life doesn't always feel blessed. And that may be where you are. As you're thinking about the fact that, that God has blessed you, you're saying, I get it, I know he said it, but I look at the facts of my life and I wonder sometimes, am I really blessed? Has God really poured out his blessing on me? So as we said, his story is found in starting in Genesis chapter 12, and this blessing is given, and you can't miss that last part. Not just the things he would be receiving, but in the receiving, he was going to be giving. He was going to be blessing. That's what we're celebrating today, right? We're celebrating the first Sunday of Advent, the coming of Jesus, and it's ultimately through Abraham and his son Isaac and his lineage that Jesus comes into the world. And that's the way in which the world is blessed through Abraham. So that blessing is coming. He's going to share that blessing. And I love this part. So as I'm looking at his story, I'm always reminded of the the next thing to follow. The next thing to follow is that after Abraham receives the blessing, the Bible tells us he went. He just got up and he left. You got to think through the factors. 75 years old. Not many people at 75 say it's time for a career change. It's time, for, it's time for a new fun season of life. It's time for an adventure. He was settled. He was stable. He, he was a person of renown in his world. And here God's saying, get up and leave. Go until I say stop. And the Bible says he didn't stop and think about it. He didn't pray about it for a week and fast. He didn't talk to his wife about it, which I don't know, probably would have been good. He didn't do any of that. He got up, listened to God, and they started to go. Well, as you read his story, even chapter 12, 
already you can see how someone like Abram may be wondering, okay, God said I'm blessed, but am I really blessed? Because the leader of Pharaoh sees Abram's wife, who, by the way, is 65 years old, and he says, I want her. I want her for my own. And Abram does such an honorable thing, right? Oh, she's my sister. You can have her. I mean, I always wonder what the next day was like when Sarah came home. What were you thinking, dude? Really? You let this happen? But you got to wonder in that moment if he's saying, okay, so is this what the blessing looks like, God? The woman you promised I'm going to have a child with is now in the arms of another man? You come to the next chapter. Remember, he brought some relatives along, and one of the relatives he brought is his nephew, Lot. And Lot's shepherds and Abram's shepherds are fighting over pasture. They're just going at each other. They're struggling. And Abram comes up with this great idea. He says, here's what we'll do. If I go to the right, you'll go to the left. If I go to the left, you'll go to the right. We'll just, we'll just separate for a while. We'll have our own areas. And then magnanimously, he says, Lot, you choose which way you want to go. And Lot takes a look to the left, and he says, hmm, mountainous, hilly, rugged, arid. Looks to the other, other direction. Hmm, nice, plain, fertile, water, beautiful, city off in the distance. What does Lot do? I'll take the great space, thank you very much. And you got to wonder if Abram in his humanness doesn't stop and say, really? I'm the blessed one. I'm the one that's supposed to get the good stuff. This guy was supposed to defer to me, but he doesn't. He doesn't. And instead, now Abram's got the tougher territory and Lot's got the beautiful land. And you can just go through piece after piece of this story where it's possible for Abram to be stopping and saying, you pronounced a blessing over me, but I don't feel very blessed. And he's still waiting for that son, waiting for the birth of that child. Chapter 15 comes along, and in chapter 15, God once again declares the blessing on him. He says, this is going to happen. I promise you it's going to happen. It's a a beautiful verse. He says, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. Look at verse 2, because I I love the interaction with Abram. I I love the honesty he's able to have with God. He doesn't hide what he's feeling. Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? He's saying, I know you've, you've been doing good things in my life. I don't deny it, but I'm still waiting for the one thing. The one thing hasn't happened. And I wonder how often this happens for us, that the one thing hasn't happened, so it sours us on everything else. We consider ourselves unblessed because the one thing still has not happened. Well, God promises that it's going to happen. You don't have to worry. Your inheritance isn't going to be passed to uh, Eliezer of Damascus. It's going to go to your son. And then he says, not only are you going to have a son, but I'm going to give you a beautiful land. And, and Abram, I don't know if he's doubting God at this point, if he's kind of saying, well, you haven't given me the son yet, so how can I believe the land promise? And so God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a covenant with you. And he makes a covenant with Abram the way they made covenants in the book of Genesis, which doesn't look like anything like America in the 21st century. We make a covenant, we go to a lawyer. We sign papers, it's done, it's filed. Their covenant, they take animals, they hack them in half and put one on either side and make a path down the middle. And then the two people that are about to make that covenant walk through the middle of the animals. And you're kind of going, who made this up? This is bizarre. This is weird. What a weird way to seal a covenant. We see a little bit about it in in Jeremiah chapter 34. 
where God describes what will happen to people who will break the covenant. If you break a covenant, you might as well be cut in half, just like, a dead, just like those dead animals. In fact, when they would make this covenant, this is part of what they would say to each other. May I become like these animals if I break my word. So there was that powerful picture of, if I break this covenant, kill me, cut me in half. It's done. I've broken my word. I, just a, an incredible picture. But you've got to catch this part of the story that's also incredible. When it comes to walking through the halves of the animals, God walks through the halves, but Abram does not. Why doesn't Abram walk through? Because Abram is making no promises. This is unconditional. It's absolutely unconditional. It is God who's making the promise to him. In fact, in this passage, it tells us Abraham Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. We're starting to see a shift in the heart of Abram, where he's starting to realize that what is most important is not the blessing, but the blesser. And this is a place God wants to bring us. So often there's that thing we want, that we believe, when I get that, when I achieve that, then I'll know I'm blessed. And instead, God is saying, I'm what's standing at the end of the journey. I want you to know that it's not about the blessing, it's about the blesser. And so his journey continues, continues on through to Genesis chapter 21, which is just an incredible passage of scripture when you think about it. Here he is, he's a hundred years old, and there's a baby in their nursery. I I just, I I thought about this, you know, Abraham's getting up for, at at two in the morning because the baby's crying at a hundred years old. And his wife's 90. You know, so here they are. They're getting up. They're taking care of this child. It's incredible. The baby is born. The blessing is finally laying in his arms. Absolutely beautiful fulfillment. Finally, after 25 years of waiting, the thing that he had hoped for finally, finally happens. And what we find is that Abraham, while he, Abraham, while he loved that child, while he loved the fulfillment to the blessing... That shift had taken place in him that he realized it was not about the blessing. It was about the blesser. Because in chapter 22, God asks him, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. It's kind of reflective of chapter 12. Go until I say stop. And when you do, you're going to do something there for me. Except this time what you're going to do is you're going to sacrifice your son. Much like chapter 12, what does the next verse say? The next morning, Abraham got up early and he went. He did what God called him to do. He didn't question it. He just went to the place that God told him about. The Bible says at some point, Isaac says, Dad, your memory's going. You brought the wood. You brought the fire. We don't have a sacrifice. To which Abraham responds, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Do you think after 25 years plus, he was finally learning that God is a tremendous provider? That God will take care of him along the way? That he doesn't have to take care of himself? That he doesn't have to figure out how to make the blessing happen? Well, we know that there comes a point that he takes the knife, his son is bound, he goes to kill him, the angel of the Lord stops him. Abraham, Abraham, yes, here am I. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. I suspect that God didn't have to learn this lesson. God knows all things. Abraham had a lesson to learn. That even at this point, he had finally learned that life is about the blesser, not the blessing. 
It's about the blesser, not the blessing. In fact, the passage goes on to tell us that exactly what Abraham said would happen did. There's a ram caught in the thicket, and they named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. He had learned something, not just about the blessing, but the blesser. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that he had walked by faith. He had walked by faith to the point that he offered his son as a sacrifice. Abraham, who received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. This is the same Abraham who just years before has said, the only way I can have a child is to sleep with my servant. And now he's saying, I know God can even raise this boy from the dead if necessary. Abraham had finally come to a point of embracing not just the idea of the blessing, but the one who gives the blessings, the blesser himself. So that was kind of my little side journey. As I'm looking at Abraham and looking at a person who was a follower of God and a person who was blessed, How often in our own journey are we so bent on receiving the blessing that we look beyond beyond or around the blesser himself? God wants us to be in love with the blesser, not just the receiving of the blessing. I wonder, what's, what's the story of your blessed journey? Are you at the beginning of it? God's saying it's time to move from Ur of the Chaldees. Are you going to get up and go? Are you going to wait? Are, are you along the way trying to figure out how the blessing is going to happen? Maybe you've received the blessing and you're to a point of realizing it's not as much about receiving the blessing as it is about the one who gives the blessing. That's what my life is all about. Abraham, also his story teaches us a really important principle that it's not just about what we receive. It's not just about the blessing we receive, but that being blessed is the opportunity to turn that and be a blesser of other things. Through the nations of the earth, through, through the, your child, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so we might ask ourselves, how can we live as those who bless because we know we're blessed? How can my lifestyle become, become one, not just that I'm pursuing receiving the blessing, but that I say, my life is so blessed, I've been so blessed by God that I hold nothing tightly, that my life instead turns and is constantly a blessing to others instead of simply consuming on myself. I'm going to give you five ways, and maybe just one of these will be the one that you grab onto and say, for December, I'm going to grab onto this and hold onto it tightly and see God turn me into a person who is not just seeking to be blessed, but actually realizes I'm blessed and shares the blessing with others. The first is this. We can be a blesser by bridging here and there. What do we mean by that? Well, here is here now life here on earth, the things we see, feel and touch. But let's face it, we're here because we're here in church today because we understand that there's a there, a capital T there. We understand that there's more to this life than this life. We understand that there's eternity and heaven and God and things that matter beyond beyond what we can see and feel and touch. But the people in our world don't see that. They have blinders on and all they can see is here. We have the opportunity to bridge here and there. How do we bridge it? Well, one of the ways is what you're doing right now with that clipboard. We bridge it through prayer. We bridge it by praying for other people. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, 
Paul gives this command to Timothy. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Think about this. You're standing buying pork and beans at Jewel. There's a human being on the other side of that can of pork and beans, and they have a life. Have you ever stopped and just looked at them and in that moment prayed a prayer to heaven on their behalf in your mind? God, this woman, this man, I'm sure they have struggles in their life. Help them. Do you see the way we're able to bring their here all the time? All the time we can bring their here by just mentioning that person in the presence of God. That person who might even be an acquaintance. We don't even know anything about them. And we get that chance to bridge there and here through prayer. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is talking about that bridging. He says, my goodness, we were in Asia. We were having a tough time. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. Look at the underlying part. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. He's talking about here and there. He's saying, we finally came to a realization that it's not just about now. And so we started relying on God in a fuller and deeper way. Further down, verse 11 says, and you are helping us by praying for us. How can we bless other people? And we don't have to stop and say, oh, honey, I'm praying for you. Just pray. Just God, here's your heart. Look at a person. And in that moment, lift them up to God intercede on behalf that's one way that we can bless other people so when you're doing your 15 minutes of praying on tuesdays during the month of december you're blessing you're bringing the blessing you're bringing there and here together you're bridging that with people how about another be a blesser by being your ever transforming self be a blesser by being your ever transforming self wherever you are Bring that transforming self to the situation. So Romans 8.29 tells us that God chose us for a purpose, to become like his son. That's what it was all about. He chose us to become like, see, a lot of us think we were chosen so that we have a slot reserved in heaven. We'll do whatever we want now because eventually we're going to heaven. But God says, no, I chose you so that here, now, you can start looking more like Jesus. Galatians chapter 5 gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says all these things are supposed to be growing in the life of a Christ follower. So I want you to think for a moment. If you go to work, how's work for you? Overall, is a cheerful, happy place that people get along, love each other, and woo, a lot of kumbaya. Or is it a place that people constantly grumble, especially the second the boss walks out of the room? Boss walks out and is like, rah, rah, rah. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe she did that. Rah, rah, rah. Wine, 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 wine. What if, what if the second fruit, what if, what if you brought joy to this presence? What, what, if, what if you actually brought joy? What if you brought patience? To the moment. What what if you brought some kindness to a space that is always brutal? Well, first of all, people will probably think you're nuts. Honestly. But when they really start to think about it, they'll go, they may be nuts. But they're not like the rest of us. All we do is grumble and complain and make the place darker. And somehow this person is bringing something different. One of the ways we can bless is by bringing our ever-transforming selves to any situation we're in. Not the old person, not the sinful person, but the person who is being recreated and renewed in the image of Christ constantly. 
Let me give you a third. You can be a blesser by bringing Jesus to the moment. Every one of us have the privilege of bringing Jesus to any moment going on in our lives. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Just look at that verse for a moment. I'd love for you to take about 20 minutes this week when you've got nothing else going on, sit in the rocker, sit, sit in a comfortable place, and just think through, what does it mean for us to be the body of Christ? It sounds great on a screen or on paper, but what does it mean? What does it actually mean for us to be the body of Christ? We introduced a, a prayer on Good Friday, a prayer by Teresa of Avila. Here's what she said. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks on the world with compassion. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Do you see that? Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body on this earth but yours. You get the privilege as part of the body of Christ, to bring Jesus to the moment. What does that look like? I got to tell you, one of the things that's hard in the job that I do is that I'm called into moments that most other people would prefer to avoid. Sad moments, hard moments, tragic moments. Phone rings, and I know I'm driving, whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes, to somebody's house to a hospital, whatever. And they're in the moment of real tragedy. And there's nothing, there's nothing that can train you and prepare you for that moment. Nothing. No amount of education, no, no amount of degrees, nothing can really prepare you for that moment. Go back to 1997. There was a couple in our church. They had a baby. And the baby was born with a, with a defect. And they knew the baby was not going to live. So I was driving to Chicago to go visit them in the hospital. And when I arrived in the hospital room, the baby was already dead. And mom was sitting holding the baby. And she looked at me and she said, do you want to hold him? I was just kind of, okay. I reached out and I took that baby and I, I held that baby for about 10 minutes while we talked. And then after we were done, I'm driving home and just all this stuff is going through my head and I'm hoping that I brought anything beneficial to the moment. And I don't know how in the world I'm supposed to bring anything beneficial to the moment. And I came back to our house and I went to our living room and our boy, Nathan, was about four months old. And he was awake and I took him and I pulled him up against me and held him and rocked with him. I just cried. I just cried. I'm sitting there going, how is this fair? I get to hold my baby who's alive and healthy and well, and they get to bury theirs in a few days. And I got to tell you, after that one, you're like, well, okay, now now I'm an expert on tragedy, right? Now I know how to handle this. Now, every time one of these things would happen, I'm like, what do I do? What can I do to help? What can I say? There's got to be a book of magic words to say when somebody dies. There's got to be something that puts a Band-Aid on it and makes everything all better. And then this this particular prayer and this concept really started to work on me. And now when I get that phone call, this is what goes through my mind. There are no magic words. There are no magic answers. There's nothing glorious that I can do. But I get the privilege of walking in 
to that moment and bringing the presence of Christ to that moment. Because a lot of times in that moment, the presence of Christ feels very, very absent. And I get to be Jesus for them in that moment. And I don't get to do that because I have a rev in front of my name and an MDiv as a degree. I get to do that because I'm part of the body of Christ, and so are you. And so you don't have the magic words and the magic answers and everything else. You come, and when you come, it's not just you coming. You're bringing the presence of Christ to the room. You're bringing the presence of Christ to that situation. And a lot of times that person afterwards says, I needed that. And you're like, I did nothing. Oh, you did everything. You consciously brought the presence of Jesus to the situation. An incredible way to bless people. Be a blesser by bringing Jesus to the moment. Another thing we can do, we can be a blesser by showing others the way to God. There are times, seasons in my life that a passage of Scripture grabs me and won't let me go. And when that happens, I typically know, okay, God's trying to teach me something, but I'm dense and a slow learner. So John chapter 4 has just had me this year. I mean, I've come back to this probably four or five times in sermons this year. This woman at the well and this interaction with Jesus is just incredible. And so we have the woman at the well, and she has this interaction, and then she she goes back to her town. And when she goes back to her town, she talks to the people there and says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And then, don't miss verse 30. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. We get the privilege as people who have been blessed with redemption, blessed with salvation, blessed with a relationship with God to share that relationship with others. And we hear that and we go, what kind of blessing is that? I get scared talking about Jesus. I mean, you you may have heard of the four spiritual laws and you're like, okay, I I know the four spiritual laws, but what if I mix them up? Will they go to hell? I mean, you get all nervous about it. You get all tongue-tied. What am I going to do? I don't know how to tell other people about God. How much theological training did the woman at the well have? How much did she really know about Jesus? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Is it possible that we could simply say, God, God has done things in my life that are inexplicable outside of the presence of God. Could he actually be the God of the universe? Could he actually be the God of the universe? They may not come streaming out of the village, but they may at least start thinking that they realize it's not just because you're a nice guy or a nice girl, but there's a power of the universe named God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who is active and powerful in my life. Be a blesser by showing others the way to God. One other way we can bless Be a blesser by sharing freely the things we've been given. We've been given an awful lot in life, haven't we? I mean, that's how we typically use the word blessed. I've been given so much. And of course, the greatest thing we've been given as believers is a relationship with God. That's something he has given to you and given to me. There's another woman in the Bible who has an incredible story. It's found in Luke chapter 7. A woman who has expensive perfume. Perfume that she could have sold and she could have gotten a lot of money for. And instead she takes this expensive gift, she breaks it out and she wipes it all over the feet of Jesus. And there are people in her presence that are judging her for what he did, she did, questioning her for what she did. Why in the world did she waste that? To which Jesus is able to say these beautiful words. Those 
who have the perception that they've been forgiven little show very little love. And those who have the perception that they've been forgiven a ton can't stop loving. How do we bless others? We bless by finally coming to this realization that all these blessings aren't for me to hoard and hug. They're for me to share and give. They're for me to make sure that other people get the privilege of having what I have. And so it's not about me just amassing things for my life, things for me to feel blessed. No, instead it's about making sure that I hold everything with a loose hand. And I'm ready to give it away in any possible way. Give it away, sharing with others the great blessings that God has put in my life. So what we're going to do now is, is watch a clip of the ways that Southfield is going to bless a whole bunch of people this coming week. We'll have one of these videos every week where you get to see the projects that are going to be taking place during the week. Some of you have had hands on these. You've painted a jar. You've put buttons on it. You've done things. Some of you are going to be doing things this week, doing the deliveries along the way. And this is just going to show you very practical ways that we who realize we've been forgiven much, we who realize we've been tremendously blessed, are now making sure that we don't just hoard it or hug it and keep it for ourselves, but that we give that blessing away. Room's going to go dark. I want you to get the full impact. Here we go.
It's going to be a great week of blessing. And again, what is it about? Not so that people recognize our church or recognize our name. It is that our light shine before human beings so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. It's the opportunity to say we've been blessed so much we can't help but be and become blessers. It's the season of Advent, a season of lights. You see the first candle is already lit, reminding us that the coming of Christ is, is just around the corner. And for our Advent celebration, we like to use these uh, booklets by Ruth Haley Barton called Advent Reflections. They include scripture readings as well as a reading that kind of ties everything together. As you listen to the reading this morning, the gospel reading from Luke, you may wonder for a moment if I found the wrong selection, if I picked the wrong passage. You're expecting something Christmassy involving donkeys and oxen lowing and all that sort of thing, but believe me, it fits. Luke 22. There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear for uh, fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day catches you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Psalm 25, 1. The gospel reading for this first Sunday of Advent is an alarming one, full of violent images and ominous predictions. It's a harsh beginning to such a holy season, and if it weren't for the discipline of sticking to a reading schedule, we might be tempted to just skip over it altogether. But the truth is, the scenario described here is much closer to our reality these days than the dreamy Im images of beautiful angels, lowing cattle, and nursing mothers we associate with this Christmas season. At the global level, our days and nights are filled with images of unresolved tensions of clashing nations, economic upheaval, violent interpersonal conflict, and alarming weather patterns. At a more personal level, we're plagued by our own confusion and distress about conflicts we can't resolve, questions we can't answer, and failures among ourselves and others that cause us to question the very gospel message that we're to share with the world. Where is the love? And what does it look like to walk in the way of the Lord during such confounding days? 
The gospel reading for this week helps us to be honest about the places we're at in our own lives that are full of confusion and distress, fear and foreboding. It tells us that in these very places, we are to wait for the Son of Man to come into our lives with power and with glory. Evan is not the time to run away and hide our heads in the sand. It is the time to stand up and and raise our heads because redemption is drawing near. It is time for us to be awake and alert so we will not miss the light that dawns in the dark places of our own lives that feel desolate, confusing, and beyond hope. And that gives us something to reflect on during communion. Our servers will be bringing us communion in just a couple of moments. You'll receive a tray. Bread is in the middle and cups on the side. And while you're paying attention to communion, you might just think about everything we've talked about this morning. The times that while you know you are blessed, you don't feel very much like you're blessed. Where does that lead you? What, what does that say to you? Or thinking through this passage where it talks about all the calamity that's coming in the world and, and you're feeling some tension about the world around us. Or maybe the calamity is not on a world scale for you, but it's in your own house, it's in your own life, and you're trying to figure out what in the world you're going to do with that. The prophet Jeremiah says, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, The Lord is our righteousness. For the darkness of waiting, of not knowing what is to come, of staying ready and quiet and attentive, we praise you, O God. For the darkness and the light are both alike to you. So during communion, you might reflect on this. Where is the place of your own distress and confusion, your own fear and foreboding? Do you have the courage to wait there for the coming of Christ?
My prayer for you this this month, this season, and really for your life, is that whatever it is you've been pursuing as a blessing will be used as a tool by God to get you to find the blesser beyond the blessing. That you'll finally come into the relationship with God that a man who was named Abraham and became Abraham, that you'd have that same experience of ultimately saying, I love the blessing I received, but I love the blesser so much more. As our service come to receive the morning offering, got a couple quick announcements for you. The first of which is that we are playing football today. So if you are interested, we're going over to the junior high at noon. Uh, If you need a little more time to go get changed or grab some food, that's okay. We'll be out there. Uh, So don't not come because you couldn't make it right at noon. Uh, The second is that we have no revive tonight. We're taking a Thanksgiving break. So again, high schoolers, do a good job of annoying your families for one more night. Uh, And then we'll we'll get right back into the swing of things with Refuge on Wednesday night. Also, with students, I had a a parent after the first service ask me about a shirt. Uh, We do have a ton of awesome Refuge and Revive shirts. So if you're looking for Christmas presents or stocking stuffers, 
Go ahead and check, come check those out. I'll pull them out after the service because, uh, again, a really cool way to, to get our name out there, and it's, it's free advertising for, for a good cost. Uh, this Friday night, we're going to be able to join together in worship for Worship Unleashed once again. This one's going to involve a lot of aspects. Our adult worship, like we did last time, we're going to have kids involved in worship, and we'll also be doing some Christmas music. So it's going to be a real night for family. I want to give you a sample of one of those songs. So our kids are actually flowing into the room right now, which is going to be kind of distracting and fun, and they're going to be leading us in music in just a moment. So they're going to come up as we continue, and Brian's going to fill us in a little bit on what's going on this coming week with, uh, I keep wanting to call it the wrong thing. Rethink Christmas. Thank you. I want to say reinvent now. I'm just all over the map on this thing. So anyway, um, so Tuesday it all gets started Correct. with gifts going out to businesses, I think. Yeah, businesses. Uh, so you don't have to do anything on Tuesday except pray. If you sign up to pray or you uh, didn't get a chance to sign up and you still want to, to do that, Tuesday is prayer, uh, prayer day and business day. Uh, and then we move on into Wednesday, which is a big day. And Wednesday, you wa- or Wednesday, today you walked in and you found a card sitting on your chair that looks something like this. If you haven't found it yet, go ahead, find it. It's sitting underneath you. But anyway, um, this is going to be part of the Wednesday project where we all get involved in doing something random and fun to bless someone else. So what will we do? So we're asking every Southfielder to get involved on this random act, random act of kindness Wednesday. So as you saw in the video, there are several suggestions. You can drop five bucks in, at Redbox so you can pay for uh, someone's movie. Or you can throw it in the ice cream, in the freezer. Uh, there's all kinds of mm-hmm. ideas for you uh, to be able to... Could just... you imagine not only finding, you're going for your gallon of ice cream, but now there's five bucks sitting there that pays for... For your ice cream. I mean, is that straight from heaven or what? That's amazing. Go ahead. That is awesome. But so, uh, Don't it put could, it with tofu. It, that is not a blessing. Ice cream. Go ahead. <laughs> the, uh, you, it doesn't have to be... So, you don't have to drop money. You can just do a random act of kindness. Like if you see uh, someone who's older or disabled or something who just finished putting groceries in their cart or uh, in their car, you can take their cart for them. Uh, and just... The important thing with this is that we need to give out these cards with it because... While we aren't doing this for ourselves, we do want people to know that it's not just a found $5 in the ice cream aisle. We want, to, yeah. we know, we want them to know that this is God moving in the lives of our community. So one of my plans, and if you find it, please leave it, but um, I'm going over to the, to the pasta section in Jewel, and behind the linguine, this is going to be sitting there with 5 bucks, hiding back in there. And you can just imagine, if, if there isn't something to identify it, you know, they find 5 bucks, and you can watch it on the security cameras, them kind of looking here and there. And <laughs> but instead they see this, they're like, oh my word, a church is giving away money. That's even weirder. But anyway. Sure uh, you, cool. can even, you can even take advantage of the back. The back is empty, so if you wanted to write a little note or a no, really, you can take this yeah. five bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, this is yours. Uh, yeah, from God. No. Uh, All right. <laughs> <laughs> so then we have the other events going on, and then that brings us to next Sunday. One of the things uh, afterward, Brian and I talked about last week. He said, you know, it sounded as if we're supposed to go out and buy gas gift cards. No, we've already purchased five hundred ten dollar gift cards. We've got them. We got them here for you. What do they need to do for it? 
You guys need to bring $10 cash every, uh, next Sunday. And again, this is something we're encouraging every Southfielder to do. So if you want to buy more than one, cool. But we are really looking for everyone to get involved on these Sundays and Wednesdays so that we can all share in this experience together. And again, just learn what it's like to give selflessly to our community, to the world around us, without us looking for anything in return. And next Sunday, our kids will be... Our Southfield big kids are going to Sunny Hill Nursing Home just to spend some time with the, with the elderly there, just to brighten up their day. Because again, mm-hmm. when you're in a nursing home, you, know, you, sh- you may get visitors, uh, but it's the same old people all the time. And so it's, it's fun to see a bright, shining face come in and uh, get to spend a little time with them. So they'll be there next Sunday, Sunny Hill uh, Nursing Home in Joliet at 1.30. So again, if you have a Southfield Big, Killer, big Kidder, big yeah. kidder. Sure. So, Southfield Big Kidder, um, you can, again, uh, get involved in that. And then back on the tables as you leave, we still have the cards for you to go ahead and take and get a prayer request from somebody and bring that back so that somebody can pray for them on Christmas Day. That's important. And and then finally, hopefully you got signed up for your 15 minutes to pray. Whoever has that clipboard right now, when you're done, when we're done with the service, if you would take it out to the table that's sitting underneath the cross, put it there. And that way, if any of you did not get a chance to put your name on that, you can go ahead and do that. Is that everything? That is everything. All before, right. Well, actually, before I forget, the back of the gas cards will also have those Southfield cards on it as yeah. well. Because, again, yeah. it's, we, want, we want to make sure that this is a, a God-related thing. So, so our kids are coming in place. Hi, how are you? Good to see you today. You doing all right? Woohoo! Uh, so we're going to sing, and we're going to use these things. We're, we're such a Swedish church, we don't really know what to do with these, you know. And, and so we're going to clap. But, of course, just when you think you're finally getting clapping down, what do they do to us? So got a little thing going here, but we want you to get into it. So stand up, let's sing, and just enjoy this time, and have fun singing with the kids. Kids are watching the screen to sing along. the church um, went to an I Am They concert a while back, and it was so awesome. It wasn't like your ordinary concert where you're sitting there and watching and everything. It was one where you're singing and clapping along, and there was this huge space up here where kids were just running around and having fun. Um, And it was just a time where we got to just all worship together. It was so cool. And that's what we want Worship Unleashed and even right now to look like. A time where, you know, we're not just doing the boring adult songs or the super fun kid songs, but we get to do both. And we get to all just embrace that moment of worship together. So it's not about us. It's not about these cute kids up here. It's about all of us joining in worship together. That being said, kids are cute. And if you parents want to see your kids, you can come on up and stand with your kids and worship with them. Okay? Ready to go, guys? You ready to clap? Here we go.
together with you that night. As we leave, uh, I pray that God will abundantly bless you and that beyond that, you will realize that you are blessed in order to bring a blessing to others. But ultimately, in the pursuit of that blessing, you will find the blesser himself. Amen. You have a great week. Thank you.